0: the following program was previously broadcast welcome to the lion's den university report this program brings you a behind-the-scenes look at the spiritual life on today's university and college campuses now here's your host glenn bailey
1: uh, we've been traveling to the mid uh, c- part of the country, the and, uh, central part, uh, and we came to uh, visit the uh, with a, ch- a church group to the Answers in Genesis Creation Museum in uh, just outside Cincinnati, uh, uh, next to the uh, the exit next to the airport of Cincinnati. Uh, fantastic museum uh, visited by over a million and a half people now in about uh, five or six years that it's been open and. Uh, presentation of where we came from as uh, portrayed in the and explained in the Bible. And so uh, we were Privilege to have that visit and we're here though in Lexington, Kentucky, not too far away uh, today at the University of Kentucky speaking with someone who also has spoken at the the Answers in Genesis to their staff, uh, Dr. Art Nitz and he's here in the physical therapy department and a professor here and also a clinician. And uh, Art, uh, once again thank you for joining us for the Lion's Den. It's our privilege Glenn, glad to be here. And uh, you mentioned on our previous broadcast uh, not only uh, speaking at the Answers in Genesis, which we'll talk about a little bit, but uh, also uh, to a number of uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, groups and that this is a very um, popular subject still, even though evolution has been uh, taught and uh, promoted and propagandized for uh, maybe a hundred years now and and, uh, seriously at our universities. And uh, so how did you end up speaking over at uh, Answers in Genesis at the Creation Museum? I can't give you the exact
0: details on how that arrangement was uh, was established but um I think it was because I have uh, been a, a contributor to answers in Genesis uh, and knew Ken Ham personally uh, and I think he uh, I attended some meeting once uh, that he was also at and he asked if I'd be willing to come speak uh, and, and provide the devotions for their for their group and I said I'd be happy to and I could provide some of the background of kind of information that I present when I'm asked by students here at UK uh, and so that's basically what I did showing evidences from science of things that I do research on uh, that show evidence of design and that's really my main uh, way that i I introduce students here at uk to the concept of uh, creation and that is uh, that that things are too well designed to have been to have just happened by chance and i think students instinctively know that in fact when i give talks uh, students oftentimes will come up and say I knew that evolution stuff wasn't true. Yeah, yeah, but they they felt compelled to sort of go along with it because it's the it's the reigning dogma mm-hmm. of the day. And I think that uh, I hope to live long enough, by God's grace, to see uh, that that's overturned uh, and that the truth uh, will eventually uh,
1: rule the day. So right.
0: that's my hope on that issue.
1: Great, so. great. And uh, of course, we've had uh, Dr. Michael B. at our microphones a number of times. And one of the th- classic things I think that he said here is that uh, mm-hmm. the average person. And the reason why evolution has not been accepted widely in the American uh, general public is that the average person can see the obvious design in all yeah. aspects of nature. Yeah. Uh, he says it takes an education to miss it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's an ironic statement, but I think you're right. That uh, you know you, we can almost educate ourselves into imbecility, <laughs> right? And, and so it's obvious. I mean, and, and, yeah. and uh, the, the museum, the kind of the principal uh, pr- approach to this issue that they have is yeah. it's the same scientific facts, yeah. but different perspective on Different those and uh, just yeah. as my wife and i shared with you yeah. we're out by a lake here in yeah. kentucky uh, and, and we're not at the coastline of America, right, <laughs> Kentucky, we're right. Right. right in the center, and we're in some mountains, and yeah. uh, here we are walking along a, a hiking trail near a lake, mm-hmm. and we find these uh, seashells, yeah. <laughs> fossils, <Yeah. laughs> on the oh, shore of the yeah. lake. <laughs> yeah. and, and so, uh, yeah. same facts, yeah. you know, uh, right. uh, uh, an evolutionist has to come sure. to con- right. contortions of how there was yeah. an ocean here at some point, and, right. and how it disappeared, and how all the uh, the matter that had covered all those shells uh, eroded mm-hmm. away over millions of years, and so on, and, and that's how we found those uh, right. seashells <laughs> there. And uh, but there's a, a mm-hmm. biblical response to that, and the Bible sure. says uh, why we find that kind of thing on every yeah. mountaintop, seashells, right? That would be a
0: worldwide flood seems to explain a lot of things. In fact, the, the more research that's done and the recognition that uh, the, the forces that came to bear that produced the worldwide deluge uh, would have produced virtually, uh, you know, not all, but nearly all the topography that we see today. But I, I actually uh, use something that's even more more simplistic than that. I, I uh, happen to have stumbled into, if you will, um, um, a hobby. Uh, where I look for Indian artifacts. Mm. uh, And I have discovered uh, several hundred Indian arrowheads. Uh, And people in central Kentucky in particular readily recognize an arrowhead when I hold it up in the air. They also recognize a piece of shale that's unshaped and unformed. And they can tell that one has been tooled and the other has not. These are not people with uh, background degrees in paleontology or, or in some field of study of anthropology that would make them experts in being able to recognize that. These are just everyday citizens who can instinctively recognize that something that's shaped in the, the shape of a teepee, uh, hmm. if you will, the shape of a Christmas tree with little sharp edges on it, didn't happen by chance. There are no working parts in an arrowhead. It's one piece, and yet we know instinctively that did not happen by things just tumbling around and producing that uh, in the bottom of a creek bed. Some human agent took uh, actually deer antlers is what they would use to actually scrape out and carve these pieces uh, out as they do uh, in shaping these flints. So so, uh, in students, I think they connect with that because they recognize that's a simple example what about something like a cell that has, oh two or 3,000 working parts all at the same time in the same relationship that have to interact with one another? You know, something far more complex than the equipment we're using right now to right. conduct this interview. sure uh, And yet those cells, we have 10 trillion of them in our body right now that are all working in the right Uh, way to produce uh, life for us to continue to conduct this interview Uh, and yet somehow that that happened by chance so I think students instinctively recognize there is something not right with that perspective so yeah
1: and yet um, you know an average person says that that's great but then they hear somebody with a PhD after their name say no that we had this big explosion and things keep organizing themselves and so you can you're supposed to believe that and uh, but it should be hard to believe (laughs) And, (laughs) and there are people yeah. Who are equally intelligent? I think, right. uh, uh, in terms of one of the the uh, latest fellows, who's. Uh promoting some ideas on the creation scene is uh, Dr. John Sanford. Yes. I don't know if you've come across uh, heard that name, uh, Dr. Yes, Sanford. He was uh, yeah, the yeah. inventor of the gene gun. Yeah, right. he, he had been an atheist yes. and became a Christian yes, right, sure. and is a uh, yeah. now a, a young earth creationist, yes. we would call yeah. him. And uh, he's uh, his approach is, uh, as he was a geneticist in, yeah. in plants, now he's studying the human genome and uh, right. determining yeah. uh, that all genes are receiving mutations constantly and th- that they're not positive, they aren't right. leading to new—they're uh, yeah, right. uh, yeah. But that the human race would have been extinct right. at the rate of mutations right now yeah. uh, in ten to twenty thousand yeah. years yeah. had it been uh, existing that long. And of course, the evolutionists say it right. existed a million years, right. and uh, the creationists say no, um, God created yeah. man in the first week and about uh, six to ten thousand years ago. And right. uh, fits I've seen the an evidence. interview by him uh, with a, for a
0: different magazine besides the Answers in Genesis Group, and uh, he really was able to highlight those very facts. And uh, of course, he. He is an expert, and you have to perk up your ears and listen carefully when right. somebody with that kind of a background and that kind of scientific credibility speaks. Um, they do it speaks
1: volumes, right? Yeah. Uh, Cornell professor emeritus yeah. and exactly. uh, uh, you know tops in his field, and yet right. does not yeah. have a problem accepting right. science and the teachings of the Bible Amen. as the the accurate source for uh, yeah. human history and the history of the world, right? And so you've done this, and uh, you, uh, what kind of responses do you get when you give a yeah. creation evolution talk? Well, typically there there is the the disbeliever in the group certainly, and in
0: fact, in some cases many disbelievers. But you know, even those that that don't agree with you, they at least listen and um, and they they begin to ponder some of this stuff. And I've actually had a couple of students, one of whom I, I may have mentioned in a previous interview with you, Glenn, yeah. who uh, came and attended one of these talks who later told me that she was an atheist. I didn't know that but she mm-hmm. said I was I'm an atheist. Right. Um, 10 years later she called me from a clinic in western Kentucky to tell me uh, that 10 years ago, when I gave that talk at school, that she began thinking. Mm-hmm. And in a matter of a couple of years, I uh, said, the Lord completely changed my mind. And I realized that I was a sinner, uh, that I had rejected uh, the truth for so long uh, based on really no information, just a, a general feeling. And because it excused my sexual mores was mm-hmm. her statement. Right. Um, and she said, I, I came to Christ and I just wanted to let you know that. So, you know, there, there aren't many dramatic situations like that. For the most part, people who, hear these talks are already inclined to believe the Mm -hmm. truth about creation anyway and it just helps to support them but there are those situations where it really does rattle somebody's cage it it really shakes them and they realize i need to rethink this situation Mm for sure
1: and on the radio, yeah. you know, you never know who's listening. That's uh, correct. You can tune in, and you not have to uh, expose yourself as <laughs> you are right. listening to the other side. You might say, yeah. and, <laughs> and uh, maybe there's somebody here. And, and just to realize this, you know, it took this young woman ten years. Yeah. We don't right. expect anyone to believe what we're saying yeah. just automatically, and not correct. think we're nuts for <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. believing. Uh, but the, the Lord Bible will take our words and, and
0: use them uh, as He sees fit, and that, that's always encouraging. You know, our our job is not to uh, to make changes uh, necessarily; it's to be faithful, and uh, right. you know we. we we uh, trust God's
1: word, and we, we go from there. Amen. And it's uh, the Bible is totally in tune with this idea that creation leads to belief in God. Right. It says the heavens declare the glory of God, and mm-hmm. the Apostle Paul says the creation speaks of God's divine power and Godhead. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the people are actually yeah. without excuse, according to the Bible, that uh, they Precisely. should know He's there, <laughs> and, and then they know morally that uh, yeah. that uh, He's there as well, because uh, even the uh, most uh, confirmed atheist has a conscience yeah. that God. Has placed in his life, and uh, if you're one of those today, you, you do know there are some things you've done that you believe are wrong. Okay. And uh, God gave you that conscience so that you could uh, get to know him and, and try and make it right and receive forgiveness. Yeah. And so now you're also involved with the... Uh, family foundation here in Kentucky. Tell us a little bit about that organization and what you're doing with them. Sure, That's a public policy group here. Almost every state in the nation has a public
0: policy group that's a Christian-oriented, family-oriented group that examines um, ordinances, laws that are being proposed, laws that exist, and see how it affects the family from a uh, Christian uh, faithfulness perspective. Uh, and Kentucky, uh, many years ago, uh, began one and, and I uh, was involved uh, in it as a, as a member. And then uh, ultimately I actually became the um, chairman of the executive committee. Uh, and we have uh, three or four individuals who are full-time uh, policy analysts uh, and then some part-time people who ex- when the state uh, is considering you know, a marriage amendment or something like that, it's mm-hmm. the family... Uh, foundation in Kentucky that gets uh, people informed connects pastors uh, encourages congregations uh, to just think about these matters and to look at them from a biblical perspective from a just from the standpoint of, of how it affects the family
1: right um, and when so we say the family we're correct. talking about the biblical Amen. definition of the family that that's cre- correct you know the one who created us and designed us and made us correct. special right. made us in his image also yeah. uh, designed the family unit mm-hmm. as a man and a woman exactly. committed to each other for life and yeah. Uh, and in that relationship uh, is our sexuality a beautiful thing, right. and uh, leads to children, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that's the building block of society. Yeah. And in fact. We know for a fact that is Jesus' perspective
0: because he said so. That he said uh, when when posed with a question, he said, "Did you not have you not read that from the beginning he created them male and female, and then proceeded to um, exalt uh, the, the the value of marriage and family and the, and the fact that he starts with the fact that we were created male and female for the purpose of complementarily uh, uh, meeting each other and, and engaging in relationship and having children, etc." Is, is Jesus' perspective, and, and I, I'd hate to have a, a lower view than Jesus right. uh, okay. on a matter as crucial as that to society, so um, yes. we can be confident. And, and he yeah.
1: points back to the creation, and this is where exactly. the, the biblical Worldview is so uh, important. It is the best one. Exactly, it's the one that has uh, provided the greatest blessing for yeah. mankind. Uh, but also, it's the one. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, exactly. he said he made it male and female from the beginning. There wasn't yes. uh, yeah. millions and billions of years of death, right. disease, and suffering right. until God made them, and uh, exactly. they sinned, and that's when uh, the world uh, headed in the wrong direction. Exactly. Exactly. Amen. Great. And we trust uh, we've encouraged some listeners and got some others to think today. Uh, My guest has been Dr. Art Nitz here at the University of Kentucky. And uh, Art, thanks for joining us for this broadcast. It's been great, Glenn. Thanks so much. You have been listening to the Lion's Den University Report. If you would like more information about the Christian life
0: or would like to contact the Lion's Den or one of the guests, please write us at the Lion's Den, Post Office Box 226, Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania 17844 or email ltcldur at yahoo.com.